How's everybody doing today? Good. I hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving and uh, it's good to see that you still fit in your clothes and everything is going well for you. It's been a, a great time for our family and uh, I appreciate the opportunity for that you allowed us to, to go home back to Indiana and, and visit with family and friends and so, um, so thank you for that. Today uh, Thanksgiving is behind us and we are officially in the Christmas season and so we are going through our Advent season. Thank you um, Donna and Betty for helping us with our Advent reading and lighting of the candle this morning. Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be kind of going through uh, the gospel of Luke and Luke's story. Uh, so if you would, turn with me there, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. I actually, I preached from this passage of scripture last year during the Advent season, but we did it with joy as a concentration. And so uh, I really like it better with hope. And so that's why I'm kind of doing it again, but I'm doing it from the perspective of hope. 99.9% uh, .9 of it's new material. And so don't go to sleep on me, okay? Uh, I would say... Uh, but it's, uh, it's such a good passage of Scripture, and I really do just uh, think it, there's so much to be gained from this as we look to the Christmas season. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold... Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you. I thank you for the people that are here today that have uh, chosen to be here, that have decided uh, to be in this place, to hear a message from you, to allow for you to speak to them, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that you would just enable them, give them the grace they need to cast aside any distractions, to put aside anything that might be hindering them from hearing from you. Father, I recognize that I have a part in this today. So if you would, Lord, forgive me my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name, a way to bring sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and a relationship with you. 
Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would admit to their sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. For the believer that's here today that may be struggling or going through hardships or just tired and overwhelmed by the holiday and by Christmas and Thanksgiving and maybe they're just struggling for this reason or for that. I pray, Lord, that you would remind them that they're not alone. That we are here not just to worship one another, but to carry each other's burdens. That we love one another. That there are people in their midst that have or even possibly even currently going through the same difficulties that they're going through now. Father, I pray that you would remind them of your goodness today. Remind them of your grace and your love for them. Father, I pray that this would be a time where they allow for their cup to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for everything you've done for us. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. In 1984, New York City was plagued by paranormal activity. After losing their jobs at a local university, three scientists formed an agency called Ghostbusters to combat the ghost. If there's something strange, Roger, in your neighborhood, if there's something weird and it don't look good, if you're seeing things running through your head, an invisible man sleeping in your bed, who are you going to call? If you're not alone, if you're all alone, pick up the phone and call Ghostbusters. In 1984, New York City put their hope in Ghostbusters. This week, we had to take our son, our youngest son, to the emergency room. One of his young friends gave him a, a necklace. And my son thought it would be a good idea to put the pendant in his mouth and swallow it. The ER doctor said that he would be okay, but that I needed to call a lawyer, Mark, and sue the little boy for everything that he's worth. You know what I mean? And so, I, uh... Amen. Yes. <laughs> you know, when your kid does something like that, it's a little scary. You know, maybe more so for mama than it is for dad. But, I mean, it's just one of those things. Whenever your kid is going through anything like that and you've got to take them to the doctor take them to the hospital it's one of those things that can be kind of scary you know and you just really just hope that everything's going to be what okay you know that's your hope and you trust these doctors and you trust these medical professionals to to take care of your child and you put your hope in them hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen what do you hope that's going to happen by the end of this year. Uh, what are your expectations? What are your hopes and dreams for the future? Maybe the right question that we need to be asking is, where does your hope lie? Do you put your hope in yourself, others, in our government, in your success, in your finances, 
Or do you put it in a person? Maybe even in a higher power. Dr. Robin Murphy is a professor of computer science and engineering at Texas A&M University. And he puts his hope in technology. The professor believes that computing and AI will one day lead to a time when there will be no more disasters because they can be predicted. In our passage of scripture for today, we see that God, the God of creation, the God of all things, put, all, put the hope of all humanity in something else, in a person. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went and said to her, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Here are a few things that we just learned about Mary just from this couple of verses. One, she's living in Nazareth. Two, she's a virgin. Three, she was pledged to be married to, to Joseph. Four, she was highly favored. Five, the Lord is with her. Six, she is being visited by an angel named Gabriel. And seventh, we know her name. Her name is Mary. All these things are good things, right? I mean, nothing that Gabriel has said to her is a bad thing. It's actually the contrary. The angel visit to her is to share with her good news. He says to her, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. If there's any concern at all, that this is not a message of peace. I mean, Gabriel pretty much squashes this right away, does he not? He says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I don't know about you, but this has to be a confidence booster for Mary. Right, can you imagine for a second that you hear from an angel of the Lord who are highly favored? I mean, that's just, that's got to be encouraging. Is it not? Uh, that God finds you and he favors you. The Lord is with you. I mean, isn't that, isn't that something that you would love to be able to hear? That God said to you, hmm. I can't tell you how many people I talk to on a regular basis who wonder, who are concerned if they are doing God's will. If they're doing the things that they are supposed to be doing. It doesn't take very long for us to realize how short life is and how limited the amount of time that we have and sometimes we become overwhelmed with the thought that maybe we aren't doing really what God wants us to be doing. Sometimes it would be nice if we heard from the Lord, you are highly favored. You're on the right path. You're you're doing what God wants you to do. God is with you. He sees you. Good job. Well done. I mean, wouldn't that be nice sometimes? Just, I mean, for Mary to hear this as a young girl, I mean, just think about when you're young, you're just, you, you, you don't know sometimes how to have a conversation with people, let alone how to put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes it's just like you don't have any self-confidence. You don't, and for her to hear as a young girl, from an angel of the Lord, Gabriel, to say, 
God finds favor. He favors you. He's with you. Can you imagine how much of a, a boost of self-confidence, just, that must have been for her. I don't know where God is calling you or who he's calling you to be, but it's not too late, friends, to answer the call that God has placed on your life. It's not too late. It's never too late to do the right thing. God is still in the business of calling men and women into ministry. God is still in the business of restoring brokenness. God is still in the business of finding favor in the faithful. <laughs> Mary was a faithful woman. She was beloved by God. She is still loved by God, I believe. I think as Protestants, but even more harshly as Baptists, we look at what our Catholic friends do to elevate Mary and we devalue as a response her role and God's redemption story. Make no mistake about it, God did not devalue Mary. She was highly favored by God. God was with her. If you don't believe me, continue to listen to her conversation with the angel Gabriel. Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at, this wor at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. As any rational person would be, Mary was still concerned by <laughs> this angel coming to visit her. I mean, if an angel comes to visit you, maybe you ought to be concerned, friends. She was concerned. I, last year, I had a, an issue with my arm. When I moved over here, I was having issues with my arm. About a, six months prior to that, I was in an accident, and my arm was, just, was doing really fine afterward, but then decided, kind of decided that not to work all that well. I went to a doctor, and she told me, she goes, Jeff, you're too concerned about your arm not working. I said, what? I said, yeah, you're too concerned. I said, listen, you know, six months ago, my arm was fine, and now it's just... I'm losing muscle and I, it hurts and it's always, in, I said, yeah. shouldn't I be concerned about that? I mean, like, if your arm stopped working, like, that's something to be concerned about, right? Like, I don't think I'm being overly concerned. I, like, I want my arm to work. That's not an irrational thought there, friends, right? And sometimes you just think, like, you look at this and, like, if an angel came and visited you, wouldn't you be, I mean, her response is genuine. I mean, if there's something going on in your life and you're not, acting as you should, even if it's, you're, even if you're overreacting, sometimes that's just like, it's just a sign of, you've got, you got blood flowing through your body. You're human. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with what Mary's saying here. She was concerned. It's genuine. It's honest. The angel, Gabriel, went on and told her that she was chosen by God to have his son. This son would become the king and reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Verse 34, Mary asked the question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Mary understands biology. She understands how a baby is conceived. This is not a, the question that she's asking here. Nor is Mary doubting as Zechariah doubted. She's not asking. She's, there's no request here for a sign. She is puzzled as to how this can happen given the fact that she is a virgin. 
given the fact that she's not married, given the fact that she, that's biologically impossible for her to have a child under her current circumstance. How can this be? Scripture gives us no reason to not believe that Mary wasn't a virgin at the time of Jesus' birth. Very limited evidence, though, suggests that she was. I mean, only in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel does it say that Mary was a virgin. But nowhere in Scripture, nowhere, friends, in Scripture does it indicate that she wasn't a virgin. We only see it here in Luke and we see it in Matthew's gospel and that's it. There's no reason for us to doubt this, friends. No reason for us to question. I understand that the scientific revolution has happened and we struggle with the virgin birth. It doesn't make sense, but friends, let me tell you something that long before Tom Cruise was Mission Impossible, God was in the business of the impossible. He still is in the business of doing what is impossible I mean, a few weeks ago, we baptized Michael, and his parents said, he's a miracle child. It wasn't po- God is in the business, friends, of taking what is impossible and making it possible. Does it make sense? Scientifically. Scientifically, there is no answer for Mary conceiving and having a child, and still being a virgin. Isaiah 7.14 teaches us that the mother of the Messiah would be a virgin, though. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him, who? Emmanuel. God is with us. We lack faith in our God. We often, so often, we lack hope. Joseph is from the line of David. And some think there's tension here. Uh, If Jesus was from the line of David as well, Mary will marry Joseph. And they will have other children, James, Jude, and Simon. Those three were not virgin birth, just an FYI there. Just a one-time deal. Mary and Joseph will raise Jesus. And Joseph will be the legal father to Jesus. According to Jewish culture, even though he is not his biological son, even though he's not his biological son, he still becomes the legal father, and thus Jesus becomes a part of the line of David. Mary understands that Gabriel is saying about Jesus is not something that Joseph can provide for her either. She knows that this child is different, that he will be different. Listen to what Gabriel tells Mary about Jesus, verses 32 and 33. One, he will be great. Two, he will be called the son of the most high. Three, he, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Four, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And five, his kingdom will never end. Is Joseph the son of the most high? Is Joseph the most high rather? No. It's impo- that's, that's making sense. So Mary understands what Gabriel is saying to her. At the same time, She's asking the question, how can this be? When she hears this description, she knows in her heart what's going to be, that this is not going to be possible through Joseph, but only possible through God. There was something, though, that there's still questions, right? In verse 35, the angel answers her concern. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One 
to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. If you remember back in Genesis chapter 1, we just kind of went through the story of creation. You will see the same language of God overshadowing the earth during creation. Here we see God overshadowing Mary, and we see that Jesus was conceived by the Spirit of God. Now something to keep in mind is that Mary had no special powers here, friends. We never see Mary have any miraculous power throughout the Bible. She was chosen by God to carry God's child. But again, this is not something that she did, but rather something that God did. Mary was receiving God's grace. God gave Mary the grace that she needed to be the mother of Jesus. God's grace is God doing something for you that you can't do for your own. Mary couldn't do this. This wasn't something that she was able to do, but this is something that God did through her. If you ever have any doubt that this is a God thing, look at what Gabriel tells Mary. Even your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. Elizabeth was considered to be old, was considered to be barren. And God made it possible for her and Zechariah to have a baby. Friends, Jesus being born is much more about God acting on behalf of humanity than Mary's character. Nothing wrong with Mary's character. We've established that, but this is a God thing. This is God acting on behalf of all humanity. Not to take anything away from Mary, but be, Jesus being born is God at work. God knew that in order for salvation to be available, that he would have to become man. God favored Mary. Look at verse 38 as a response. On the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. When God called Mary to carry the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, her response was, On the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. The dangers of this, friends, were drastic. I mean, to have a baby out of wedlock, to have a baby at, and not be married. It's, like, the punishment is death. This is no small thing that God is asking of Mary. Mary is putting her hope in this angel and his word. And saying, whatever your word, she's saying, whatever your word is, let it be so. I'm your servant. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do whatever it is that God wants me to do. I love this verse. Wouldn't it be awesome if we found a way to have the same mentality that when God calls us to do something, our response would be, I'm your servant, Lord. I mean, wouldn't that just be like a remarkable if the church said to the Lord, whatever it is you want, I'm your servant. Wouldn't it be amazing if the, Lord li the church lived in such a way that we made it possible for our own lives to be able to say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. 
if we weren't bound by the things of this world that would keep us from doing whatever it is God has called us to do. If we were available at all times, in all situations, in all circumstances, whatever it is, Lord, I'm your servant. What keeps you, friends, in your life, in your faith, from saying, yes, Lord, I'm your servant? Bills, family, job, goals, drive, pride, apathy, immaturity. <laughs> I'm the Lord's servant. God knows how to pick them, does he not? <laughs> I mean, we just got done looking at the story of, of Noah. Noah was 600 years old when God called him to build the ark, you know. Quite the contrast than a teenage girl, <laughs> right? And it seems not to really matter how old you are with God or what sex you are with God. It doesn't really seem to be anything of that nature. When God calls somebody, it's, it's really you often what you see is the character of the person is at the heart of the matter. <laughs> and sometimes God takes people that you would think, why would he pick this guy? You look at the story of Paul. <laughs> why would God choose that man? Huh? I, <laughs> Last night I found some old pictures. Um, one of them was when I was just out of high school, just recently graduated. And there's six of my best friends. We went to church camp and it's a good memory of uh, 20 years ago. It's hard to believe that's the case, but I, I, we were good kids for the most part, but we were knuckleheads as well. You know, I mean, we uh, did some pretty dumb things, but we acted like kids. We acted like teenagers, you know, as teenagers do, teenage boys do. We were no different. You know, I think about God calling Mary. You know, I, I, I help with the wrestling team at the high school. And I think about teenagers. And I think about when I was a teenager. And, you know, if it wasn't God that was calling Mary, if it was, say, one of you that pointed to Mary and said, what about her? I might say, wait a second here. <laughs> you know, is this, are you sure this is a good idea? You know, like, maybe we can find somebody a little bit older, a little bit more mature. I mean, maybe there's somebody here that we could maybe, there's got to be somebody better than, are you sure you want to use it? Any of y'all have teenage children? Any of y'all think that maybe all of the hope of humanity should be carried by a teenager? <laughs> Anybody? It sounds kind of crazy, does it not? And yet, here God is. And you are highly favored. I'm with you. I mean, sometimes we look at our life and we think, there's no way that God can use me. I, 
There's no way that God would be calling me into ministry. There's no way God could be calling me to go and share. There's no way God would be calling me to go and to teach a class or to be a deacon or to serve on a committee. There's no way. We're often our biggest critic, our worst critic. We know ourselves better than anybody and we have seen the worst of ourselves when no one else has. We know the conditions of our hearts. We know the times where we are weak and unfaithful. Why would God ever want to use somebody like me? Why would God love me? Why would God send his son, Jesus, to this earth for someone like me? All of humanity, friends, the hope of all humanity rested solely on this little baby carried by this little girl. <laughs> if God trusts that, if that's possible in the eyes of God, imagine what's possible with you. Imagine what God can do with someone like you. It's possible, friends. What it takes is a willing servant. I am God's servant. Let it be done according to your word. I hope that's your prayer today. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for the day. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you. I thank you for the people that are here, the people that are watching online or maybe even on their television. Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us in the way that we need. Father, I pray that you would allow us the opportunity today to respond with honesty, to respond with willingness to hear from you, Lord, and say, yes, I'll be your servant. I will go, I will do whatever it is that you want, us to, want me to do. So, Father, if you would, speak to us now in such a way that would give us nothing but certainty of your will for our life. Lord, we love you, and we pray for the person that's here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray that today is that day where they admit that they are a sinner and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess Christ as their own personal Lord and Savior. And Father, we know that's possible today. And if it would happen, we would give you all the honor, all the glory, but I just pray that you would speak to us today in such a way that we know that this is your will for our life, whatever it may be, Lord. Give us the grace to respond. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said.